Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it's another amazing episode that we're going to have here today. Today, we have an amazing young lady on who is currently the studio manager at Patchwork Recording Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. And as a studio manager, her main responsibilities include daily operations, booking and scheduling, office management, client relations, marketing, payroll, and more. Prior to her 11-plus year tenure at Patchwork Studios, she worked two years for the Woodruff Arts Center in Atlanta, Georgia, as a program coordinator, booking educational arts programs in metro Atlanta institutions. She has also been an executive assistant to Nikki Gilbert Daniels of Brownstone and TV One's R&B Divas. Her additional experiences include internships with MTV, Universal Music Group, Interscope Records, and Cornerstone Promotions. Current and future endeavors include her own personal project, Toya in My Pocket, a mobile personal assistant application. She takes pride in a good work ethic, multitasking, organization, business strategy, and customer service. She has a strong passion for good music, the arts, artist development, creative direction, creative production, executive assistance, and executive production. Beautiful people, I'm talking about none other than Miss Toya Elise. Toya, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, Create Your Life family. What's going on? Nothing much. Just super excited to have you here, Toya. It's been a long time coming. I want to jump right in and tackle the first thing. You're originally from Jersey. How did you end up in Atlanta? Yes, I am from Jersey, born and raised. I went to school at the University of Maryland. And so while I was in Maryland, my family decided to move to Atlanta and being fresh out of college with no income, no job. I really had no choice but to move to Atlanta as soon as I graduated. Okay. Makes sense. How did you end up working in the music industry? Like, how did that come about? Well, ever since I was little, I always had a passion for the music, the arts, anything creative. I was always a fan of music from when I was young. And so I knew that's kind of what I wanted to do once I graduated. And even prior to graduating, I knew that. So while I was in school, I remember seeing some guys passing out flyers. I think it was for like Too Short or something like that. Hey, Bay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, I don't know what got me excited about actually seeing them working, but I just was like, you know, who are you guys doing this for? Can I help y'all? And that was kind of my first introduction. And I... They actually were interning for a label, but Mm -hmm. I assisted them. (laughs) You know, I I wasn't working for the label directly. And so they would take me to the events that they went to. Mm -hmm. And I I was just excited about working. And from there, I applied to my own internships so I could be working for the bigger 
people. While I was in school, I did an internship with Interscope Records. I did one with Cornerstone Promotions. And my biggest achievement while in college was an internship at MTV, which, if anybody knows, is headquartered in New York. And I was was in school in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And um, they had actually offered me a position a previous summer, and I had turned it down because I got another offer. So they called me back, and I said, there's no way I'm going to turn down MTV twice. Mm -hmm. And I said, how am I going to make this happen? So being that I was... My family was still in New Jersey. I was able to make my classes where I had a full-time schedule, but only three days a week. So I would commute from Maryland to Jersey and then from Jersey to New York and work at MTV two days out of the week and then come back to school and do it all over. And I did that for like three to four months. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So would you say that internships really gave you a actual peek into the industry and what it was about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're first introduced into the industry, you just mm-hmm. see the glitz and the glamour. You know, you're excited to be around celebrities and all you see is the creative outcome, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, once you're actually inside the building and you're working on the projects and you're working on this stuff to make the bigger picture happen, you have a much greater appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when I was at MTV, I was working for MTV.com mm-hmm. and like the encoding department. And mm-hmm. nobody ever thinks about that may even exist. Yeah, what does you that even mean? <laughs> so pretty much back then, everything that's on MTV.com, mm-hmm. I remember they had these big old thick tapes and we would just type in the information. I, I can't remember exactly how it went, but we mm-hmm. would type information and we would send it down to a different department mm-hmm. and they would do like all the computer data, whatever, that would eventually go up online. Interesting. My final internship while I was in school was at Universal Music and mm-hmm. Video Distribution, which was a division of Universal Music, the major label. Mm-hmm. And for there, I was a radio programming intern. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like the little details that you don't see behind the scenes, you know, that made me have an appreciation for the business. Mm. Love it. And funny enough, I didn't know you worked at MTV, Toya, because, you know, I used to be a host for MTV. So it's like, OK, oh, we right. have that in common. Yeah, I okay. did, like, uh, we got some things in common. <laughs> so you, you do your internships, you move to the A. How mm-hmm. do you land and end up at Patchwork, though, of all places? Because this is a pretty famous studio. Like, yeah. It's a serious business, Patchwork. <laughs> like, who are some of the people that you've actually seen come through there? Just yeah. Curious. First question. Well, to answer your first question, I mean. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about Patchwork when I moved to Atlanta. And I actually, you know, when I moved to Atlanta, in my head, New York was the capital of music. Mm. And so I thought there's absolutely nothing for me in Atlanta. And I was miserable and I hated it. And little did I know that 2004, in my opinion, was the year that music took off in Atlanta. Right. So I actually moved at the perfect time. But when I moved, I was just doing like little mall jobs and stuff like that. So... I landed a corporate job and I was like, this is not for me. I was there for two years. Mm -hmm. So I said, I need to get back into the music industry. So I just started Googling, researching any kind of music positions that were available in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I just stumbled across Patchwork and an internship that they had on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. And so I applied to that. And that's how I even knew about Patchwork. So you started off as an intern and now yeah. you run the place. Yeah. And you're so working I, like 12-hour days. Yeah, yeah. I started off as a marketing intern, and that's in air quotes, marketing. Mm-hmm. Because really, I wasn't marketing anything. I was just on the streets, really like a street teamer, passing out flyers. That's guerrilla marketing right there. Yeah, yeah. I did that for six months, unpaid. Mm-hmm. And eventually from there, I guess they asked me to come inside the building. I was a marketing intern working more so like on computers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I did that for another six months unpaid. So I I worked for a year unpaid. How were you sustaining yourself? At that time, I was still had a corporate job. I was at the Woodruff Arts Center. Um, oh, wow. 
I was at the Woodruff Art Center for two years. Mm-hmm. And a year into that, I started the internship at Patchwork. Okay. And so a year into Patchwork, immediately after I had finished, or right before I had transitioned outside of the internship phase at Patchwork was when I left the Woodruff Art Center. Oh, um, gotcha. So it was, yeah, it was really difficult because I had was not making any money and I left the Woodruff Art Center mm-hmm. and I was interning for free. And again, you think your world is over. Like, I'm not making no money. I only right, have this right. internship left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what they always say, God, he releases you from one thing to open you up to another. Mm-hmm. I guess he was looking out and I was offered a position working as a receptionist at the front desk shortly thereafter. And, mm-hmm. yeah, still it was not a lot of money. It was $8 an hour, mm-hmm. maybe working four to eight hours a week. Mm-hmm. But I was determined. I said, this is what I want to do. I'm going to make it work. And just steady grind, good work ethic, doing the jobs that other people didn't want to do is really what pushed me to the next level. And what would you say are some of the things that you felt like people didn't want to do that helped you stand out? In all honesty, really just coming to work. (laughs) That was what really pushed me because I remember, like I said, I started off with four to eight hours a week. Mm -hmm. At eight dollars an hour and I was in crunch mode like I was I had an apartment I had to pay bills mm-hmm. so people would constantly say oh can you work my shift and I would say yeah I work your shift I work your shift and I noticed that it was a thing nobody wanted to work their shift and so I said why don't I just send out an email to the staff saying hey if anybody doesn't want to work their shift send me your hours I will work all your hours for you and that's what I did I worked all the hours for everybody who didn't want to work their hours. And this is at the re- reception desk? Yes, this is as a receptionist. Okay. Yeah, because there was a lot of shifts back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. Eventually, there was a change of management a year into that. So a year into me being at the desk, mm-hmm. there was a change of ownership and return a change of management. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were switching up the structure of everything at that point. Mm-hmm. So they let a lot of people go, and they gave me a more permanent full-time schedule where to go yeah i love it so you got this permanent full-time schedule you get in the game so what were the other steps before you became studio management so you went from marketing intern to receptionist what were the the steps that are the other positions that you held in order to become studio manager and about how long do you feel like it took you in order to get to studio manager there was never a day where i was just hired as you're the studio manager you know what I mean it's Mm. when you just continually work you kind of slowly learn how to do everything Mm -hmm. so the main studio manager or owner Curtis Daniel he would be in primarily in the office Mm -hmm. operating the studio Mm -hmm. you know and every now and again there was another female who was there prior to me who had more knowledge of the studio so she would go in And she would be assisting him on things like, say, he stepped out the studio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He may ask her to invoice this session or call this person. You know what I mean? Little assisting things. Mm -hmm. I would be working with her directly. Mm -hmm. And I would see kind of the stress that she went through Mm -hmm. dealing with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, I never want to be that. I don't want to be getting yelled at all the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And eventually, I think she succumbed to the pressure and she quit. And there were a couple of other people who kind of replaced her as far as assisting him. Mm -hmm. And I was never that person. So all I could do was observe and Mm -hmm. learn and just learn. That's all I did was taking information, taking information. Mm -hmm. But again, I never wanted to be in that position because I thought it was too stressful. But after seeing one, two, three four people mm-hmm. leave and I'm the only one who's staying mm-hmm. and I'm all I'm doing is steady absorbing information. Mm-hmm. Eventually I think you got to look at somebody and be like, wow, this person, <laughs> let me get this person. They're the only person standing. Let me have them come into the office and have them assist me on this thing. Right. And I remember when he started asking me to do these little things, mm-hmm. you know, I would be timid at first but I remember he would always be like, you got this, you know what you're doing. You got yeah. this, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it kind of started that way. And it was just a very gradual thing until 
he could see that I could really manage it on my own Mm -hmm. to the point where he got married. He had a child. He don't want to be in the office 24-7. He has a life and it kind of went like that. Love that. So what were some of the key things other than consistency that you felt you had to do in order to be the last woman standing? I mean, one thing that I see a lot of people, you know, I came in as a marketing intern. I went to school for business. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who come, come under the guise of wanting to do business and wanting to do marketing, but that's really not their passion. You know, a lot of people really want to do music. Mm -hmm. They're really musicians. They're really artists. They're really producers. And so when they come in and they're not able to fulfill that through a marketing role, they kind of pull back. And me, that's really what I had a passion for. I really had a passion for business. I really had a passion for marketing. I was a fan of music, but I didn't do music, so I didn't have any ulterior motives. Um, So I think that's one thing that allowed me to sustain. And just, like I said, a good work ethic. I've never treated anybody as less than I, Mm -hmm. no matter how far I progressed. Meaning, you know, even if I was at a certain level and I had interns that were below me, mm-hmm. they could have said, have the intern do this, have the intern do that. But I chose to do it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was always actually working. I wasn't just dictating and bossing people around and I was actually putting in the work. Gotcha. And you, I'm assuming you have amazing relationships with these interns and former interns as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of people come and go. To this day, anybody who works there, anybody who has worked there in the past will never say that I've come off as somebody's boss or anything like that. I don't even like to consider myself a boss. I don't even like to consider myself a manager. You know what I mean? I just I do what I do. And I think people have respect for that. Yeah. So Create Your Life Family, what we're hearing and what we're understanding is, is that you got to treat everyone fairly and you got to show up and be consistent every single day. Toya is really telling us about her journey and about how that has helped her get to where she is and and rise. And also, you know, don't have any ulterior motives. Yes. (laughs) So Toya, tell us about your experience in the industry. Like who are some of the acts that you got to work with? How is it, especially as a, a young lady, young lady of color? Talk to us. The first celebrity I met at Patchwork was John Legend. And that was kind of a big deal. I was just excited just that he was speaking to me. (laughs) But, you know, from there, I kind of the celebrity kind of dies down. You don't really get too much excited. But some of the people that we have worked with are Gucci Mane, some of the bigger names, Gucci Mane, Mariah Carey, R. Kelly, Jennifer Lopez, Young Jeezy. I mean, any any Atlanta rapper or musician that you can think of has definitely graced the halls of Patchwork Studios. T.I.? T.I., yeah. Um, T.I., like Ludacris, T.I., they were Goody Mob and Outkast. They were some of our original clients. Some of the people who I've seen kind of glow up were like Waka, Waka Flocka, and B.O.B. Mm-hmm. Those are the two who I kind of remember being, quote unquote, nobodies to kind of blowing up. What do you feel like separated them and helped them to become the major stars that they have become? What separated them? Well, Waka, when I saw Waka, Waka was, you know, always with Gucci and 1017 Brick Squad. So he just used to come in as one of the entourage. I think he just had that connection because I think if you go down the line, they're all kind of related somehow or grew up somehow. So I think his was just more of a having connections and being in the right circle. Mm-hmm. As far as B.O.B., when I kind of doubted him, I actually saw him at an event that we hosted called I Do Music. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a showcase for independence. Mm-hmm. that could be one of the reasons why, you know, he succeeded possibly just on that grind, on that network grind, on that showcase grind, like constantly going out there and showing face and promoting and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know their specific journey, so I can't mm-hmm. say specifically. Got you. I think one of the biggest illusions, and this is outside looking in, you can speak to this, is that musicians, the ones who make it, like to that level of fame, like some of the people that you mentioned, Ludacris and, you know, B.O.B. and many others, T.I., Gucci, these guys work. 
mm-hmm. like 95% yeah. of the time, you know, in order yeah. to stay on top and have these records and stuff like that. Can you speak to some of the work ethic of the successful artists that you've had the opportunity to to see? Like, are these yeah. guys really camping out in the studio, you know what I mean? And yeah. really like living there? Like, how's that go? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first person you mentioned, Gucci, he has an unbelievable work ethic. Mm-hmm. When he was in his prime working with us at the studio, he was there constantly. Like people would say it was his studio because he was there day in, day out, nonstop. As everybody knows, he went to jail a few times. Every time he was fresh out of jail, like the first place that he would be was the studio. So Gucci Mane has an unbelievable work ethic. R. Kelly as well. He's super talented. And when he comes to the studio, he may block out like three months at a time, 24 hours in rotation. He'll have three engineers with him because the engineers have to be in rotation along with him. So those are a couple of the people who, in my memory, have great work ethics and work around the clock. Mm. And when you're saying that these people are here, let's say that somebody books for 24 hours, like how you just talked about one of the musicians. How many of those hours are they actually working? Is it a 16-hour day for them? Is it an 18-hour? Is it a 12, 6 of the 24? Like, how does it go? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, like, if they do book it 24 hours, like Rocco, Rocco's another one. He may actually be in the studio for 15 hours straight working. Like, I will leave at 10 o'clock and come back in the morning, and he'll still be there working. Some, however, they may work for 12 hours, go to the club, then come back. But somebody is working on their behalf. You know what I mean? Mm, Got you. So now we've seen the game change. You know what's funny is that you were talking about being a marketing intern in the I Do Music because I went to college in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of the marketing and the guerrilla teams even helped out on a few myself. But yeah. I, I wasn't that passionate. Some of your, your journey about the guerrilla marketing reminds me of my boy Paris Kirk, who does a lot of work with Luda. And... That's just very interesting. But as I lived in Atlanta, I saw a lot of trends come and go. What are some of the trends that you see in the industry now? I mean, now it's changed so much. So everybody knows social media mm-hmm. is probably one of the biggest trends, mm-hmm. if not the biggest trends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also hip-hop artists are leaning more towards this. I don't even know if you want to call it creative because everybody's kind of doing the same thing. But I feel like back in the day, like it was rock people who used to do all the funky stuff with their style and Mm -hmm. the tattoos and the piercings and the colored hair. And now it's hip hop artists who are being, quote unquote, creative and artistic and doing all that, the funky stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the biggest trend that I see going on right now. Okay, And. What do you think is the secret to longevity in the music game? Because like you just said, it's changed so much and it's consistently changing. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like are those those secrets? Well, I think longevity, in order to have longevity, I really think you need to focus on artist development, which they don't have nowadays. And that's why you see so many one-hit wonders and just artists who come and go because they're not really developing the artist. They're they're just pushing a song Mm -hmm. and it's so often nowadays where I know a song I have no idea who sings it I have no idea what they look like I don't know anything about them I just know this song and a lot of times I don't even hear the song myself I just hear other people singing it and I really think people are just pushing songs and that you're not gonna last that way because you're not really building a connection with the people who are listening to your music. And so I think really connecting, building a rapport, and um, yeah, just being relatable to your fans is what's gonna keep you around. And if you're on a certain level, if you're on a bigger level, relating to your fans is what's gonna keep you around. And if you're on a smaller level, mm-hmm. I think networking and building a rapport and building relationships is what's gonna keep you around. Okay. Create your life family, you hear that? We keep hearing this in every episode. The power of relationships and networking is what is taking people and keeping people in their respective industries for a long time. What do you feel like are some of the secrets to climbing on the business side of the music industry? I think you have to be kind of passive and aggressive. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you have to be aggressive 
because it's a tough industry and you're going to easily get taken advantage of if you're not aggressive. You know what I mean? But at the same breath, you have to be passive because you don't want to do bad business. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give off bad vibes because Mm -hmm. nobody's going to want to work with you at the end of the day. So I think you have to be a real person. You have to be a genuine person, Mm -hmm. but you also have to go and get what you want and not get taken advantage of. And Toya, you seem super chill. You know, I've only <laughs> ever seen the chill side of you. I don't think I've seen the business side of Toya. Uh, for yeah. you, you know, how do people perceive you and how do you make sure that you're being aggressive when needed? How do you balance that, that passive and the aggressive? Even though I am in the business, I don't think I am the epitome of what you may want to be as a business person. Okay. And, that, and that's being honest because... Some people are like true go-getter, go-getters. They're going to go and get it. And I feel like I used to be that way, but not so much nowadays. And the reason why I say this is because a lot of people will tell me that if they were in my position, Mm -hmm. they would have done so much more with the resources that I have, the people that I know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I think... If I wanted to, I could have bossed up way greater because I know a ton of people, mm-hmm. but my personality does not allow me to be out here schmoozing all the time. You know what I mean? And building those relationships in the way that I'm actually telling other people to do so. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, one of the powerful things about even being able to admit that is you always have to be self-aware. But I think mm-hmm. everybody would always say, if I was eight feet tall, I would be in the NBA, Right. There's all of these things that, you know, oh, this is what I would do with your opportunity and things like that. But you have to realize you are doing, in my opinion, what you enjoy and you're doing it the way that you want to do it. Right. Whereas somebody else might be diehard and say, hey, you know what? This is my end all, be all, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, their motives, like you said, are different. But I'm sure that you've gained so much experience and your skill set is so wide and deep that you can literally go into anything and you'll be amazing. Right. So while you might not have been nurturing those relationships per se, I'm sure you have been. And I'm sure that most of these opportunities that that person said that they wish they would do or that they would do if they were you are literally probably a phone call away. Right. Because like you said, you know, you've been doing this for so long that it's impossible to not associate you with the studio and what the brand of... Exactly. What that means. That's, this is all just my opinion, but, you know, having had the opportunity to observe you for such a long period of time. Yeah, I agree. You're not lying. I agree. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you a little bit about the artistic side of things. What do you think are those key things that you need to do to ensure a positive and successful legacy as an artist? I think a lot of people nowadays or a lot of artists are comfortable with just being safe mm-hmm. and they're they're not really going for that. They say they're going for a Grammy, but they're not really. Mm-hmm. I had somebody actually in the office the other day and they were asking me for my honest opinion, which you hear a lot. Mm-hmm. They play me their music and I listened and I was like, it's cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to tell like 50% of the probably actually more than 50% of the people. I'm going to tell probably like 80% of people, like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Is that the, honest? Yeah, it's just cool. Okay. <laughs> and I'll probably tell the other 15%, like, don't quit your day job. And okay. there's probably a very, very small percentage where you're like, yo, you are, this is dope. This is super talented. You know, you are super talented. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, when they go into the studio, they just make something and they're like, this is what I enjoy to do. I like this. Yeah. But but <laughs> it's not really like, it don't have that it factor. Right. And I think you really need to step outside of yourself sometimes and say, if I'm somebody else buying my music or, mm-hmm. or patronizing my art, mm-hmm. am I really looking at this and being like, yo, this is the greatest thing that I have ever heard? Mm-hmm. I don't think people are honestly telling themselves that mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're listening to the same thing that I'm listening to. So would you, you can smell a Grammy at this point? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, and we're talking about from independence. Right. People who are just trying to break into the industry. Getting a Grammy takes a lot more than actually just the music because you have to work your way up 
in the business, you know, like we said, through relationships and network and all of that. Mm -hmm. But if Grammys were able to be given to independents, then yes, I could definitely smell out a Grammy. Wow. So what does it take exactly to win a Grammy? And I didn't know that independents couldn't win Grammys. Is that true? Well, no, I mean, independents Mm -hmm. technically can earn Grammys. Independent just means that you're not signed to a label. But when I keep speaking of independent, I just kind of mean people who haven't yet crossed that fame boundary. Oh, got you. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm meaning when I'm saying independent people who are just kind of starting out and trying to give them advice. Mm -hmm. If you're focusing on your actual art at this moment and not focusing on the business just yet, Mm -hmm. make sure that your art is something that's really going to just be like, wow, Mm -hmm. this is so amazing. Mm -hmm. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard. There are songs that are popular. Mm -hmm. People love them. They make a lot of sales, but to me, that's not something that makes your art, your creativeness actually stand the test of time. Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. So who who are some of your favorite artists that they don't have to have come through Patchwork? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, being from up north, you know, I feel like we prefer more conscious soul artists. I just watched the Amy documentary a couple weeks ago. I'm a big fan of Amy Winehouse. Okay. I love a lot of classic soul like Donnie... Hathaway and Luther Vandross and as far as hip-hop goes I love like Common and Nas those would probably be like classic artists to me mm-hmm. but I will still listen to anything that's popular I feel like I've been brainwashed along with everybody else so I will listen to trap and whatever else is <laughs> on the radio right now got you yeah. what are some things that you wish you knew before jumping into the music industry I don't know. I kind of like just going with the flow. So I'm not going to say there was anything that I wish I had known previously. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely things that I have learned, you know, just learning about all the different personalities. I think that's the most surprising thing to me is seeing maybe sometimes how disingenuous people are or just how kind of, I don't want to say how they manipulate the people, but, you know, music and the music industry really can be detrimental to society and the fans and the people who listen to it. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not something that I wish that I had knew before, but it is something that I've learned and something that I'm aware of mm-hmm. now that I wasn't aware of before. How do you manage your mental health and make sure that you don't carry like work home or the relationships and reactions and things that happen while you're at work? Actually, managing my mental health has become a big thing for me in mm-hmm. in recent years. Mm-hmm. I just remember for the longest, I never took a vacation. I never took a break. Mm-hmm. I was just working constantly. And I just remember one day I was just feeling so stressed and so overwhelmed And I told myself, I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere. And just on a whim, I just took a trip Mm -hmm. to the cheapest, closest place I could find, which was Savannah, Georgia. And um, I really just felt so much better after coming back. Mm -hmm. Shortly thereafter, I was invited to take a trip to Chicago. And and every time I would leave and come back, I would feel so refreshed. Mm -hmm. I gradually just started taking trips, started taking vacations, stepping outside of just this work, constant work bubble. You know, I always felt that taking a break is your is your biggest, or I'm not going to say is your biggest, but was my biggest relief mm-hmm. from having mental breakdowns and, and being overwhelmed. And from there, I learned that just having a work-life balance mm-hmm. is very, very, very important to your mental sanity. 
Because no matter how passionate you are, no matter how much you praise a good work ethic, nothing is more important than your happiness and than your mental health. And I feel like that should always come first before anything else. Mm-hmm. And so just in learning that, I've always, I'm putting myself before I am putting my work. Mm. Or I try to at least without, I mean, you still got to be smart about it because you got bills to pay. Right. Okay. No, I love that. And I love that you're so open and transparent about it, about mm-hmm. making sure that you keep your sanity and you keep your mental health and that things work for you. How did you and do you currently handle like critics or naysayers of your career choice and passion? You got to be firm in your own beliefs. You got to be confident in your conviction. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, my father didn't want me to be in music. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, he wanted you to be a doctor or a lawyer, but that's not what I wanted to do. That's not what would have made me happy. So, again, if you're talking about being happy and you got to do what you want to do in order to make you happy. So if anybody's talking about you or talking about what you're doing or criticizing your decisions, it doesn't matter. There's a quote that I love that says, your opinion does not pay my bills. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Definitely. Your your opinion doesn't shape my life or do anything for me at mm-hmm. all. And if it's going to bring me down, I definitely don't want to listen to it. If it's constructive, I'll hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And if it sounds like it's good advice, I might kind of heed to that, but I'm not just going to be bought down by somebody's opinion. Who are some of your sheroes that you look up to? My sheroes, meaning a female hero? Yeah. Our male heroes works as well. Heroes, sheroes. Back then, I really had creative people were my heroes. I loved MTV because it was so creative. I loved Bill Cosby for some reason. I don't know why. I just, (laughs) creative people were my hero. Mm-hmm. When I was younger. And now? Now, real people <laughs> are my heroes. I just see so much fraud and I see it, negativity in people. I see how people treat other people. Mm-hmm. And it just it brings me down a lot. And so when I can find somebody who's a genuine person, somebody who gives back, somebody who's positive energy, those are my heroes. Those are the people who I look up to and admire. Gotcha. And what does your peer group look like now, Toya? Just people who don't do any music, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of people, if I meet them and they know I work at Patchwork, Mm -hmm. it's a supposed connection. But when you take away the music, does that connection still exist? And so I say, you know, my true peers are my friends who I've known since high school, my family who I've known since birth. People who have no ties to the music industry who I know are really around for me. Okay. I'm about to drop a mixtape next week. So, you know, <laughs> the reason for this interview is, nah, I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> nah, not yeah. I. Never that at all. What advice would you give to young ladies looking to work in the industry like you? The advice I would give to young ladies is do what you want to do first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um. Don't let nobody tell you you can't do it. Know that there will be challenges. Mm -hmm. Accept those challenges and set a plan to overcome those challenges. And not only set a plan, but take action. Love that. What has been your biggest personal challenge that you needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? I feel like my biggest challenge is fear. And that's something that I've only most recently come to be aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. And fear is all mental. Mm -hmm. I feel like, again, being aware of your fears and knowing that it is only mental Mm -hmm. and actually forcing yourself to do something that makes you uncomfortable is a great asset. And me just realizing that now Mm -hmm. is one of my biggest accomplishments. And I'm still kind of facing some fears, but I think I feel like I'm able to get way more accomplished by facing fears. Yeah. Well, Create Your Life Family, what Toya's saying also is, is that we have to be self-aware and understand ourselves. Yes. But I love how you said, follow your dreams, set a plan and take action. Mm -hmm. Love that. Toya, you talked about being in the game 11 years. You've had these long, long nights because you're still working 12 hours now, 11 years later after starting as a marketing intern. And you have feelings of being overwhelmed at times and, you know, things can become a lot so much so that you need to take vacations. I mean, we all do. Was there ever 
any point that you were going to give up? When, why, and how did you push past that point? I think everybody has doubts sometimes and life can get hard. And yeah, you start questioning if you're doing the right thing. And maybe as an answer to, are you doing the right thing is maybe I should try something else. And if you want to call that giving up Mm -hmm. and yeah, there have been times where I felt like giving up, Mm -hmm. but I think again, it's just about happiness and what makes you happy. And you really got it. And and again, that self-awareness too, Mm -hmm. like knowing that, this is only temporary. This is just a challenge. This is something that everybody goes through. Mm-hmm. I think that's what forces you to say, no, I won't give up mm-hmm. because this is only a temporary bump in the road. This too shall pass. And nobody's life is just goes straight up. Right. And um, I think that's what gets me through just, quote unquote, giving up. Gotcha. And also knowing the difference between giving up and knowing when it's time to let go. Because you can let go and, and not be giving up. It can just be your time to move on. Yes. So Create Your Life family, Toya saying, know when it's time to pivot. Toya, who's been your biggest champion uh, on your path to becoming who you are today? It's a few people I think who have actually helped me in difficult times. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's like my mother... My sister, my father, my immediate family, um, and a couple of close friends, honestly, who I think have done tangible things Mm -hmm. to help me out in life. And if there hasn't been anybody to give me tangible support, it's been emotional support. Mm -hmm. And I would just consider that like a couple of my closest friends who I can just talk to when I'm going through things. And I see that on... Instagram, you have 19,000 followers. What is the secret to your social media success? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I'm not famous no, no, by no means. And actually, that was a business tactic. Mm-hmm. So they are, quote unquote, real followers, if you want to call it that. But it was a strategy mm-hmm. to get them. How does that go? How does it work, the strategy? Can you give us a couple pointers? My listeners want to know. <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the time, I'm really not into social media too, too much. Mm-hmm. But um, at the time, I was working with an artist, a 10-year-old artist, and I was on his management team helping manage him. So we were trying to devise ways to boost our Instagram followers for the sole purpose of promoting him. And so we just figured we got to step up our social media interaction, meaning, you know, you follow somebody you may have a conversation or two with them. You post a video or a photo that may grab their attention and then they just start interacting. But you got to be to get that many followers was a a job. <laughs> it wasn't just following one person one day and then posting a, a picture a week later. Mm-hmm. It was following 200 people in one day, interacting somehow some way with those 200 people a day posting a picture a video showing what you're doing Mm -hmm. that's going to capture their interest that same day that you follow them and kind of continuing in that manner for six plus months gotcha well thank you for those tips if you weren't (laughs) if you weren't doing what you are doing right now what would you be doing like a career a hobby that you've always wanted to pursue I don't know. There's been a few things that I've had interest in. I wanted to start like a creative production team. So that may be something like, you know, that helps artists with development, professional development, creative development, Mm -hmm. like doing graphic design, videos, music production. That was one venture I had in mind. Now I'm really interested in traveling. Okay. So if I wasn't doing this, I'll find some kind of way to make money off of traveling. Okay. Love it. All right. So my next question to you, Toya, is can you swim? Yes, I can swim. I took lessons when I was a child. (laughs) Great. I'm asking because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank. And Uh uh, yeah, this is nah, it's dolphins, not sharks. We're good. (laughs) Okay. But these are rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Yes. I got to give you one word answers. No, no, no. Just short ones. You good. Okay. I know you got this. What are your okay. goal setting methods and how do you measure or make sure that you are growing each year? In business, we learn about SMART goals. Mm-hmm. Specific, measurable, attainable, 
reachable and Real- realistic. Mm-hmm. I kind of forget the T, but um, timeless, tangible, and oh. yeah, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can work it out any way you want, but smart goals. Right. Okay. <laughs> tangible, it. tangible, and measurable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What was holding you back from creating your best life? Fear. Okay. The top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly, the studio run smoothly, et cetera. My MacBook organization, Excel, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Outlook. Okay. Tech, tech the basics. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Google is a number one. If you don't know, Google Google knows. True. Yeah. Favorite quote or model that you live by? Everything you want is on the opposite side of fear. Okay. Favorite book that you've read or most impactful? I'm not a reader. I'm going to be honest. But I did in college read, it was a Russell Simmons book. Mm-hmm. Life and Death, one of them mm-hmm. by Russell Simmons. It was a music industry book. Okay. I think it was called Life and Death. Three things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Do whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Create a healthy work-life balance and and be smart. You know, make good decisions. Make make money, but don't let money control you. Don't go to jail, but do what you want to do. Just be smart. Okay. And so what's next for Toya? What is next? I'm working on a current venture called Toy in My Pocket. That's one thing. Um, hopefully that will allow me to travel like I've been talking about mm-hmm. and whereby I can be kind of a mobile personal assistant to the busy businessman and businesswoman on the go. So I can be in Jamaica on my computer doing the little tedious assignments that you don't want to do. Love it. And what's the best way for us to keep in contact with you? You can always hit me on social media, of course, at Toya, T-O-Y-A underscore Elise, E-L-I-S-E, on Instagram and everywhere else. Other than that, you can email me directly, Toya.Brown at gmail.com, or my professional email, Toya at Patchwork.com. That's W-E-R-K. Okay. Love it. Okay, so Toya, we reached a point in an interview called The Turnaround. And so this is where you become the interviewer, I'm the interviewee, and you get to ask me any three questions that you want, and I have to answer. Okay. (laughs) I only have one request. What is that? Please be gentle. (laughs) I won't incriminate you. I appreciate Um, that. (laughs) So Kevin, for the audience listening, I've known Kevin for a little while and I've seen him, I think I remember following you on social media and seeing you like in Japan, in the rain and some other places just doing your thing. Mm-hmm. And I was actually kind of a little inspired by you, honestly. Oh, wow. Um, so I, yeah. So I want to know how you were able to create your life and get out there. And I know your humble beginnings. I don't know if you want to tell the audience, but. Oh, yeah. My audience knows To go from where it. you. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So how do you come from your, you know, from where you came from to where you are now? So for me, ambition. That's my word. I feel like that's what I embody. I literally set a goal and said that I was going to do and accomplish certain things in life. And I've literally stuck to that no matter what. A lot of times when it wasn't convenient, when it wasn't popular, and I've been willing to make all of the sacrifices to have a location independent life and to have this freedom And I think that that's the biggest thing that separates a lot of people is you have to be willing to make the sacrifices. Now, could I have went and got a corporate job and been making, you know, six figure salaries and things like that? Absolutely. But it wasn't my dream. Similar to you. I had to follow what I was passionate about and what I wanted to do. And funny enough, you know, it takes 10, 15 years to be an overnight success. And so a lot of people aren't aware of, you know, in Japan, the videos and you know, speaking and doing all of this stuff for years. You know, I've been on this path for well over 15 years. I would say I've been going at this since I was like 12. You know, this is a long time coming and I feel like I still haven't really accomplished anything yet. So it's just been that undying desire to, to make and be who I've always envisioned and I think that the humble beginnings give you the, the freedom to be able to do so because a lot of times when there's no expectation, then 
that's where the opportunity lies. Right. You know, the, there's freedom there because I didn't have anybody telling me to be a doctor or a lawyer. It was kind of like you can do whatever you want to do. Right. My, everybody thought I was going to get kicked out of college my first week. So, you know, there's that. Right. <laughs> I like that. The independent location, independent. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I know you do motivational speaking, correct? Mm -hmm. What is the biggest joy that you get from motivational speaking? Honestly, when people DM me or hit me back, sometimes years later, and they're like, hey, you changed my life, or I still have this quote. A young lady hit me up on LinkedIn a month or two ago, and she said, you came and spoke to me in like 2014, 2013, and I still live by this quote. I have it in, hanging up in my office. It's on my, in my portfolio, meaning like her binder. And she says, I look at this and I live by it every day. Mm -hmm. And it was a quote that I made up. And I believe it was, I am the brand I say I am, which means that you're in control of your destiny. And so mm -hmm. stuff like that is super humbling. And I think that's the most rewarding is actually really helping real people see that they can be limitless. And that's what the mm -hmm. videos in Japan were about and the Bahamas, you know, when I was doing video primarily. And that's what the Create Your Life series is about and why it came about, mm -hmm. period, overall. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, seeing as you are on a journey to creating your life, mm -hmm. are there any like fears or obstacles that even though you are a motivational speaker and you encourage people to not do that? Are there any fears and obstacles that do get in your way still? Absolutely. I mean, I'm human and I try to be as open and transparent about, you know, what my flaws are or the things that I'm working on are with the Create Your Life family. So I'm gonna be honest, I was scared to go ahead and move to Africa. It was something I was like, wow, are you really gonna do this? Cause I've been in my place in, in New York for, I've been in New York for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So really deciding to leave and go and make this leap. I don't know what's on the other end of that, but I know that it's necessary. And you know, you have your down days. And funny enough, somebody who we both know, I'll call Mike Stu whenever I'm like, having a downtime or something like that, or I'll call people who I call my advisors and we'll have like a real conversation. I'm like, Hey man, you know what? I keep seeing this pattern repeating in my life. It's being self-aware, as you said, and just really having the desire to be this person that I've thought of. And so I have to push past the fear. You know, I might have a, a two minute or a pity party for a second or be down, but I know at the end of the day, my 12 year old self, my 16 year old self is depending on me Mm -hmm. to continue to push forward because I've sacrificed so much that there's no turning back at this point. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm human and I have challenging days, moments, times, et cetera. But I just got to keep pushing. That's right. Well, shoot, Toya, man, thank you so much for being on the show. You are amazing. And I learned so much about you, even though I've known you forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's refreshing. I'm super excited about what's coming for you in your life. Thank you for having me, Kevin. And uh, yeah, this is a great series, Create Your Life. And I want everybody to tune in, take all of these interviews as jewels, very valuable jewels. No. And it's a, it's a good thing that you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, Toy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I definitely do. Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and review us. This helps us build this community and building the community is what we are all about right now so that we can deliver as much value as possible to you. So until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.